just four days into a new season, and we're seeing history almost every single day. Amazing, is it not? We welcome you to the Baseball Elite Podcast. Kyle Alfred and Ray Flowers with you. And I'm not kidding, Ray. Like every day I see something where he's the first player since 1937. Oh, this is the hardest pitch we've ever seen. Oh my gosh, he's the first guy to do this since 1962. Literally history every day already in 2021. Yeah, and it's it's really good. It's really exciting. You know, we had the bad news with the Nationals and I think everyone kind of held their breath a little bit and like, oh, here we go again. Hope it's not that way. And I, you know, I know they're still dealing with it, but I think the game itself has gone really well. We've had... You know, Shohei Otani do huge things. We've had this Mercedes kid who's not a kid with the White Sox go bonkers. We've had bullpen changes. We've had, you know, comebacks. We've had Trevor Bauer pitch great and then get bombed in that seventh inning, losing that no-hitter. Uh, and then what you just referenced there. So, yeah, it's uh, history is being made, and I think it's it's positive, and everyone's enjoying what's been a really strong opening week to the season. I, I think we're having history being made, Ray, too, with wrist injuries. I said this on the podcast over the weekend, but it just continues. We had the Cabrian Hayes thing. I mean, it, the, the wrist injury is here to stay in 2021. Why? So weird. You're, it's, you're right. It's been kind of the, the injury du jour here in the early going, Kyle. <laughs> Much to get to over the next uh, hour or so here on the Baseball Elite Podcast. And I mentioned the uh, weekend podcast. There are some of you maybe listening to us here at the start of a brand new week, and you're saying, wait a second, I'm not getting a, a weekend podcast. Well, you're not getting that because you're not a subscriber. You need to subscribe. You not only get a weekend podcast, but you get a midweek podcast with Ray and myself. So Fantasy Guru is where you need to go. Uh, Elite Fantasy, Elite Sports Betting, any of those sites. Sign up, get the package, and you get to hear Ray and I all the time. Now, the Monday podcast, uh, the one at the start of the week, is always free. You're always going to get that. But if you want more insight, if you want to make sure that you're ascending to the top of your fantasy standings, you need us. You need us three times a week. You need to get subscribed. That's how you do it. Here is the starting nine for today's podcast. You know where we're starting. The historic outing from Shohei Itani. Plenty of good last night against the White Sox, but a little bit of bad. It's kind of a new era for fantasy players with a very unique player. We'll talk about Otani as we continue to get information about what he can and cannot do moving forward in 2021. Get you some news and notes. Uh, Ray mentioned the COVID issues with the Washington Nationals. They are still with us as we start a new week. We'll get to the latest on what to expect from them. We'll talk about the Boston Red Sox. My, oh my, what an awful weekend up in Beantown. The Red Sox getting swept by Baltimore. For fantasy owners, you don't always care how a team is performing. You just want to get your numbers. But will you get those numbers with the Boston Red Sox? We'll talk a bit about that. Our player profile, we'll take a look at a guy who really stung the Red Sox over the weekend. That is uh, center fielder Cedric Mullins of the Baltimore Orioles. We'll talk about him in the player profile at the four hole in the five spot. We'll talk about some hot ads over the weekend. That was so many of you had your first waiver wire period on Sunday night. Uh, we'll take a look at some of the price tags, some of the players that were added. Uh, we'll get into some in season managing in the six hole. It's time to start thinking about two start pitching weeks. We'll give you some advice there in the seven spot. We'll talk specifically about some of the guys you may be considering into your starting lineup because they have a two-start week. In the eight hole, we'll have the random reference and we'll close things down with the nine spot, the stamp of approval. Ray, let us begin at the top of the order. Let us begin with Shohei Atani. Gotta say, Ray, Sunday night baseball is often um, kind of overblown. I, I, I know it's considered the, the, the game of the week, if you will, but 
you know, it's nothing like Sunday night football. It, it doesn't have that cachet. It's not even to the level of, you know, like Sunday afternoon basketball on ABC. But, Ray, it is the hallmark game. It is the game that everybody is kind of pushed into if you're a baseball fan. And last night, Ray, dare I say, it kind of lived up to the hype. It, it was fun to watch the Angels and the White Sox, notably because Shohei Atani was not only on the hill, but Ray, Shohei Atani was hitting in the two spot. Not, not a pitcher hit ninth, not as a DH, none of that. We saw an American League pitcher hit second. And Ray, we saw what he could do in the first inning. I mean, he's hitting 101 on the gun. And he's launching a home run in his first at-bat. It was incredible last night. Yeah, and uh, he became the third pitcher since 1901 to start a game as a pitcher and hit second. Uh, the other two guys were Waddy Lee in 1902 and Jack Dunleavy in 1903. So it's been a while, Kyle. Uh, he is arguably ah, – is it arguably? I don't even know if it's arguably. The most talented two-way player in baseball history? Um, you know, there's guys like Babe Ruth and, you know, we can talk about all kinds of players that have done this, but to actually be at the major league level and, and do what he did in that, those two instances right there, throwing hundred miles an hour on multiple pitches and then hitting a 450 foot home run. A anyone alive ever been able to do that? Anyone dead ever been able to do that? I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it, the, there's all kinds of questions about, you know, durability and, and all that kind of stuff with him, but the skills on both sides of the ball are, are just immense, Kyle. Well, let's get into the questions, Ray. First off, do you think they're going to be doing this all season when he pitches, he's in the lineup because that, that has not been the way, uh, he was forecasted. I don't think this year, uh, but here we are the first chance and the first opportunity we get, he's in that angels lineup. Do you, do you think they stick with it? I guess they will. It worked. I mean, he's he's hitting home runs, like you said. And if they're doing it in the first game, they're probably doing it in future games. We had Perry Manassi and the GM on uh, the GM's Corner 7 to 9 Eastern Sunday nights on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. And, and he he was talking, he responded to one of the questions Jim had, Jim Bowden. And he said, uh, this guy is going to play all the time. We're not going to limit him. And I'm thinking that's GM speak. Of course, he's going to play all the time. Yeah, wink, wink. He not only hit in this game where he pitched, Kyle, he hit the day before, too. Like, yeah. that's that's been the issue, right? It's, you know, how often is he out there? Do they skip him before the start? Do they skip him after the start? They certainly skip him during the start. I don't know. I mean, this opens up – if even if they give him the day off after, if he's hitting the day before and the day he's pitching, if he's doing both those things, that's an extra six, seven, eight plate appearances a week. That's huge. It's absolutely huge. Um I think there's a chance that they continue to do this. It might depend upon, you know, how he feels during the week or what have you, but obviously they want to get his bad lineup. Yeah. And I, I think it's possible. I think the real question with this is Kyle is what happens if you're an Atani owner and he's doing this. Yeah. He's doing both and you got to make the choice that day. Yeah. <laughs> but what, 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 you know, and this is, you know, if, you know, uh, just throw a guy, if, you know, Mike Yastrzemski comes in and pitches an inning, Okay, whatever. We know he's not a pitcher. If Otani is a hitter and a pitcher to start the game, shouldn't you get both numbers? Because this is not he's being brought in the eighth inning of a 10-run game. He's actually starting the game as a hitter and actually yeah, starting but, it as a pitcher. But we've, we've never given hitter points to pitchers. I, you know, he's still a pitcher hitting. He's just totally unique. I mean, just because he's a good hitting pitcher, it's like we don't count Madison Bumgarner or, mm -hmm. you know, Adam Wainwright or Zach Greinke. Um, I, I totally know what you're saying, Ray, but really, if you just look at it as he's just a pitcher hitting, we see that in the national league every night, we don't score those guys. Why should we score him as you shouldn't get both? You've got to, 
again, this is the choice. You got to make a decision maybe that night. Do you use him as a pitcher or as a hitter? Yeah, and I think that's obviously the way it's going to be. And thankfully, because I, I doubt there's a provider in the world that could figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Some of them still use two Otanis because they can't figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it'll be fascinating to see because I think the big takeaways here, you know, we all expect him to be successful and to, I know you're not as big a fan as others, Kyle, but I mean, he's lined up to make 26 starts. Let's say he makes 22 of them, okay, and, and is effective there. But the idea that we could take him from 350 plate appearances to maybe 475 or 500 because he's hitting the game before and the game he's pitching, that is a huge, huge move for a guy that legitimately can be a, a 285, 300 hitter at the big league level who has 30 home run power. Yeah, absolutely. And and Ray, the, the only thing that puts the skids on all of this is what we saw in the fifth inning last night. Um, for, for those who didn't catch it, I mean, Otani hits the home run in the first inning. Um, pitching wise, he's pretty well sailing through the White Sox for four innings and he's hitting a hundred on the gun. Like seriously, he threw the fastest pitch in baseball for the season. He threw it last night. And then I think the exit velocity on his home run was the highest measured exit velocity this season. Right. So that's, that's how incredible it was. And Ray, again, cruise control is a pitcher. He's doing just fine as a hitter, usual stuff. Fifth inning starts and the pitch counts fine. And, and they're probably going to take him out after five. He gets a couple of outs and, and then a walk, some wildness, some weird things here, weird things there. Eventually, Ray, he's unable to finish that fifth inning because there was a play at the plate. He, he struck out um, Yohan Mankata. Ball got away from the catcher. Uh, the throw to first did not beat Mankata racing down the line. There was a runner trying to score from third, so they threw it back home. Otani's covering the plate. Uh, bang, bang play. I think it was Jose Abreu sliding in. And Otani Ray, for lack of a better term, got taken out at the plate. Now, this was not a collision, but this was a slide. Otani jumped, and when he landed, um, Abreu was underneath him and, and kind of caught him in the foot-slash-ankle area. Um, now, even if he hadn't been, quote-unquote, injured, he probably leaves the game at that point because things were getting away from him. But, Ray, the last thing we see is Shohei Otani getting taken out at the plate. Uh, he did walk off the field, but we're still kind of wondering what's the extent of that injury, if he indeed was injured. They, they're basically saying he's okay. And we know from having covered the sports forever that a lot of times guys are, they say they're okay and they're not really, or they say they're okay and then they, they sleep and the next day they wake up and they don't feel okay. So there is some question about, you know, the, the short term with him. It didn't look like anything significant. His foot, you know, didn't get planted and hit. It slid out. It may be an ankle from what I saw could have been an issue. And you know, the, the the concern you have with him getting injured is that, like you're saying, it affects both sides of things. They, they could rest him for the next three or four days as a hitter and bring him back out to pitch next time, right? And it's like, well, that's great, but I just lost half the week as a hitter. Maybe they decide that he can hit, but then they don't want him to pitch. So, yeah, yeah he's, you know, normally you just throw the guy in there and it's like, well, he's playing or not. But with the way we have him split into the pitcher or the hitter, it's a little bit nerve-wracking if you have to set your lineup on Monday for this week. Yeah, I mean, as we record this, uh, we're sitting here on a, a Monday morning. The game tonight is in L.A., but it's a West Coast game, so we're, we're hours away from hearing the lineups. And, Ray, I think the expectation would be regardless. Now, I say this, and then you see last night he's batting and pitching in the same game, but the expectation for me would have been he doesn't hit tonight. Right. It would have been an off day. Um, I think that would have happened. Now, I wonder how much information we actually get about where Otani stands because they can just say, oh, it's a day off for him. You know, it, it was a scheduled day off anyway. So maybe we don't get a good grasp on this until Tuesday. But like you said, for a weekly player, 
you know, you're sitting here right now and you're, you're looking at it and say, well, do I put him in as a pitcher? Do I leave him in as a hitter? Do I even put him in my starting lineup as either? That's like a true question mark this week. It is. Uh, and, you know, I, I wish I had more information to go on, but as we record this podcast, I don't, right? Uh, it's 8.15 in the morning on the Pacific Coast and we've told what we've been told. And so people have to kind of make that decision for themselves. My, my expectation would be, given what I saw, that he plays this week, that he plays the majority of the time as a hitter and he still pitches. But again, that's just based upon what I saw. I've got no inside information. We don't have any medical reports. It's a very difficult decision. I guess it comes down to, you know, are you turning to Jonathan VR or Austin Hayes? Like where, where are you pivoting on that side? And on the other thing, on the other side, do you have a bunch of crappy pitchers on your roster at this point? Probably not. So the decision probably would be, you know, Hey, do I activate Taylor Rogers this week or Kevin Ginkle? because you probably don't have better starting pitching options. Well, one last thing to add here. They've got the uh, two games against Houston. That's Monday and Tuesday, off day on Wednesday, and then they go to Toronto. As currently scheduled, Otani's next pitching appearance would be on the road um, against Toronto. Not in Toronto, because again, they're not playing in Toronto, but it's a road game uh, down in Dunedin, Florida uh, for Shohei Otani. That's a tempting start, Ray, but maybe it's also an easy fade to where you say there's uncertainty. It's against the Blue Jays. I'll just back off maybe as a pitcher. I'll roll them out there as a hitter this yeah. week. Yeah. And Dunedin is an offensive environment, too. You know, so there's a lot of factors that could lead you just away from Otani this week. And, you know, he's, he's a player that's going to take managing, right? I think that's pretty fair uh, given the two way nature of his game. And, and it might be prudent, as they say, Kyle, to maybe pass on him this week. Continuing along in our Baseball Elite podcast, let's hit you with some news and notes as we get started with a brand new week. And uh, Ray, we're still dealing with the uh, COVID issues with the Washington Nationals. Uh, the entire weekend against the Mets, no games. Neither side got to play. Uh, the Mets are finally set to open their season against Philadelphia, so that's good news. As for the Nationals, Ray, on Monday, their game's not going to be played. They're scheduled against Atlanta, but that game's been postponed. And now we're crossing our fingers for Tuesday it sounds like we're going to have a depleted Washington roster here. And we, we've got names like Kyle Schwarber or John Lester. There could be some more names. But, Ray, for anybody who owns a national, again, with this weekly lineup set, you're kind of a bit in limbo going into this week. Yeah, and um, yikes, right? Uh, I mean, I got to tell you, this is frustrating for a lot of people because obviously two first-round picks in Soto and Turner haven't even played. And then there's, you know, players up and down the roster that people have, have drafted. And, you know, we talked about the, the willingness or the wantingness, I guess, if that's even a word, but people last week to get all their guys active, you know, you've been waiting all off season and you do your draft. And you want to get those guys out there on the first week. Well, now we're into week two and you want to get those guys out there. And I, I have a, I have a, I'm running through a personal decision in one, one of my leagues. It's a keeper league. I'm trying to decide as we're recording this podcast whether I play David Fletcher or Trey Turner, which sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. But it, the way the week plays out, the Nationals, because they're not playing Monday, a best-case scenario appears to be five games. And it's like, well, it appears to be five games. A lot of times when, when you know, teams start up, what they do is they, you know, they get a guy out of the lineup once in the, in the series or something, you know, get the backup involved, right? Then you have to start talking about Oh, uh, what's what? How long has it been since these teams have played? Right. This is not. Hey, we, we were in a game yesterday. We took a day off. They haven't. They haven't played in like, a week now. And then you have to look at the competition. And you know, the competition is the Braves and the Dodgers, who might be two of the five best teams in baseball, right? With some good pitching. So, 
it's really rough to know what to do this week with those nationals. Yeah, the number being reported, I think, is 11. Um, the number of players who either have COVID or in contact tracing, they're questionable for this week. And again, we only have a handful of names. The notable ones we've heard uh, are Schwarber and Lester. Um, we're probably not going to get a whole lot more of information. I, I, Ray, I guess the only positive here is, as far as we know, Max Scherzer is still in, in the clear because he's scheduled to start the game on Tuesday. The Nationals have not budged from that. But right now, he's kind of the only guy we're quote-unquote sure about with the Nationals roster going into this week. Yeah, and I mean, again, I mean, what are the Vancouver Canucks? Like, half their team has COVID right now. Like, this, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, everyone looks okay today, and even so, they take testing today, and they're not tomorrow. You know, it's it's tough. And, you know, you also have to think about the competitive nature of the game. You know, maybe we're hearing name, we're not hearing the names that, do have COVID. Maybe it is Trey Turner. Maybe it is Juan Soto. We, we just, uh, I mean, no, probably not Soto because he had it last year, right? Or was that a false positive and no one ever figured it, it out? It was a false positive, yeah. For, for three weeks. Um, so I, I don't, again, this is another scenario that I, I don't really know what to tell the people other than to, to share. Like I said, that I'm, I'm debating whether to play Trey Turner, who was my first round pick, right? So it's just a scenario this week that given the matchups, given the time off, given the uncertainty with the health, and given the fact that it looks like five games is the best case scenario, that, you know, looking in other directions is not the worst idea in the world. A few other things that you're uh, probably waking up to and dealing with here in the start of a new week. Uh, Tim Anderson, Ray mentioned uh, it. He, he left early with a pulled hamstring last night. So his status, we'll have to see if the White Sox come out and Give us a good read on where he stands. Byron Buxton left Sunday's game early with what they say is a non-COVID illness. Uh, left that game early in like the third inning. We already know he is not playing on Monday. Um, again, they're still saying some kind of stomach bug is the expectation, so it doesn't look like Buxton's out long-term, but certainly a bit of a disappointment considering, considering uh, his history. Uh, over the weekend, Tony Gonsolin was placed on the IL by the uh, L.A. Dodgers. Uh, Joaquin Soria left early with a calf strain yesterday, and Ray, that opened up the door to, I guess, Chris Davinsky got the save. For Arizona, but if Soria is going to miss any kind of time, man, you look at that Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen, and it's kind of like open season as to who's going to get saves for them. Yeah, and you know, Davinsky used to be a really good pitcher. Notice I say used to be; he's really struggled the last couple of years. And uh, I, I don't. I saw a lot of people bidding on him, uh, and I actually picked up Ginkle myself in multiple leagues. I picked him up in one league for a buck. I picked out of a hundred. I picked him up for thirteen out of a thousand in another league. I don't know. No. And, and that's, you know, we, we, how many times have I already said this and we're week into the season, we got to stop playing safe leagues. <laughs> Four days guessing. in and Ray's already given up. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, it's like, we're just guessing. And that's the worst part. Like we spent all this time in analysis and all we do is guess on waivers each week. It's so terrible. Like you invalidate the entire three month process you spent working your ass off to put the best team together to a week into the season. Just like, eh, 10 bucks here, eh, 10 bucks here. We'll see. Maybe I'll grab both and hope one. Like, it's such a mess. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we kind of thought Sori would be the guy. And then we kind of got news that maybe he really wasn't the guy. Now the calf issues involved. So yeah, I think it, it very well could be open season. Again, I, I went and grabbed Ginkle just because he was cheap. Uh, Atlanta looks like they're going to be a Will Smith ninth inning. And uh, that was solidified with a, a slight issue that Chris Martin is uh, facing. He left the game yesterday with his uh, fingers tingling. So that's never a great sign. Uh, further uh, investigation needed there by the Braves. But just to update you on that, Carlos Carrasco, remember him? 
Uh, he's got a hamstring injury through all of his pitches in a two-inning simulated game. No real timetable yet for him. Zach Gallen also over the weekend that he was up at 60 pitches trying to work his way back. But again, no timetable for Arizona. Uh, big injury probably this weekend, Ray, was Cabrian Hayes of uh, Pittsburgh. Wrist injury, suffered it on Saturday. On Sunday, he was placed on the I.L., it doesn't sound like it's maybe anything more than the 10 days. Um, it could maybe go a couple of more days longer, but you know, certainly a bit of a setback for a guy who has just hit and hit and hit since he got into the big leagues last year. Yeah. We had this happen during our show on Saturday on Sirius XM. And originally it was the, the, the hand, then it was, he dove into first base, then it was on a swing then it became the wrist. Like we dealt with all those permutations as we were trying to live, uh, you know, figure out what was going on. Well, we, we know it's the risk now, like you said, and he's on the injured list. And I mean, I, I, I think your read of the situation is accurate, but again, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, even if he's back, it, wrist injuries are dangerous for hitters. Wrist and hand injuries are very dangerous for hitters. Um, and, you know, the, one of the big changes that he is apparently making is the ability to drive the baseball better. Like people thought he'd be a 15 to 20 home run hitter. That's what all the scouts thought. And that was kind of at development point, like, you know, three years down the road kind of thing. Now people are saying, well, maybe he's a 25, 30 guy, you know, maybe he's made some changes. The ball's jumping off his bat. Is he now going to hit 27, eight home run pace this year? Or is it 17 because of the rest? And that's a legitimate question. And if he's hitting 280, and he's on a, a Pirates team that's not scoring a bushel of runs, we really need those extra 10 home runs for him to pay off in the fantasy game. Uh, I think he was overdrafted. Uh, I think some people bought in that he was, you know, a 290-30 guy this year. Um, but the, the wrist injury is something that, that throws a cloud over what had been a growing story of success for the youngster. And if, if you're wondering, well, who's the new third baseman in Pittsburgh? And I don't know if anybody's wondering that. but um, who? I guess like Philip Evans or Wilmer Defoe, you know, so I, I'm not going to waste anybody's time okay, here on the good. podcast with <laughs> the breakdown of those guys. Just stay away until Cabrian Hayes is back. How about that? Let's move to the uh, third hole in our starting nine today. And uh, boy, it's, it's appropriate. We put them in the three spot here uh, because this team has started O and three and it's not just a normal O and three. It's an awful O and three, all three losses in front of the home fans, all three losses to Baltimore all three losses in games were really the offense never showed up. They, they, they lost three, nothing on opening day. They lost four, two on Saturday, Sunday, Boston gets hammered by Baltimore 11 to three uh, Ray. It's ugly in Boston. And the, the offense is kind of the issue here. And I mean, I was, I was looking at the uh, early standings for the American league and in, in terms of offensive categories, the Red Sox are 15th in runs. They're 15th in hits. They're uh, 15th in walks. They're 15th in batting average, 15th in on-base percentage, 15th in slugging, 15th in OPS. Uh, just a reminder, there's 15 teams in the American League. Uh, Ray, everybody's struggling. I guess the only guy going well right now would be uh, J.D. Martinez, who had a pretty good Sunday. But if you invested in some of these other guys right now, your start has been rough for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, it's early and, and none of this you know, may matter at all long term, right? But... You know, Rafael Devers doesn't have a hit. Hunter Renfro doesn't have a hit. Franchi Cordero doesn't have a hit. Alex Verdugo doesn't have a hit. Bobby Dalbeck doesn't have a hit. Um, I mean, it's blah. And that's the half their starting lineup is, oh, like it's, <laughs> you know, they don't have a hit. And, uh, you know, this this team is, you know, it's really interesting. A guy like Bobby Dalbeck, right? So much interest, so much excitement because he was killing it in spring, right? 
And there are all these stocks. And, and there's a report that I wrote about him, a player profile over at Fantasy Guru. And I said, look, I know that people are saying that, oh, he makes these adjustments and he's such a smart hitter and all that. But, you know, 25 games last year is just not enough to be saying he's arrived. Well, he's got five strikeouts and 10 at-bats. And that's the issue for him. You know, the contact issue is pronounced with him. He'll hit the ball hard, he'll hit it far, he'll hit him runs. But how good of a hitter can he be? And I think that that's just um, kind of a summary of what the Red Sox are dealing with. They don't have many good hitters on this team, if we're being honest. They've got a couple of bright stars. J.D. Martinez, Bogarts are huge. You know, Christian Vasquez is a pretty good hitter. But really, you know, it's they're going to piecemeal this thing together. And, and then when you start talking about the situation with the pitching staff, I mean – you know, when, you're, when your best pitcher is is a guy that's, you know, 19 years old. Okay, I'm lying. He's 24. Tanner Houck, Houck excuse me, and he's not even going to be starting for you in a week when Erod comes back. It's just been rough. And it's – and I'm not saying they're going to lose 100 games, Kyle, but they're just – they're not a 500 team. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, the, the pitching side, Ray, I mean, like Garrett Richards, he was the guy who got pummeled on Sunday, and, and there was a lot of – scuttlebutt out of uh, the Boston area that this was such a, a good signing and Garrett Richards had, he had nothing two innings yesterday um, and Baltimore just jumped all over him the other thing I noticed I was listening I guess it was the home opener on Friday afternoon of last week I was listening to the radio broadcast and um, I will tell you this those Boston guys are actually pretty blunt with their assessment of players and, and one thing they were talking about this was Friday opening day Ray they were already talking about how bad defensively Raphael Devers has become mm-hmm and, and they're like, he, he's not getting the balls. He, he looks, they didn't use the word lazy. They didn't use that, but it's like, it, it, he's gone totally backwards from where he was as a rookie to where he is now. Now, the only reason I bring that up, Ray, is I wonder if that does affect playing time at some point with Devers. I, he's so young and he's still such a part of the future. I don't think we have to think about this right now in April, but something to keep in mind because they, they were very blunt in their assessment. And if they're saying it on the radio, then it's everywhere in that organization that right now his defense is just bad at third base. Yeah. At the end of February on that GM's corner show on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio, we actually had Alex Cora on the manager of the Red Sox. And, you know, he's very diplomatic and he's well-spoken and all that. And he basically said that his defense sucks. I mean, he, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but he admitted that they, that's, they've got to work on that. And I guess the belief was that, you know, he uh, he's thinking too much, kind of. I think that was the assessment, you know, instead of just reacting and making making the plays. But that is, you know, that is something to to consider here. I mean, you know, we saw this with Eugenio Suarez when he made a couple errors right to start the way. It's not just, hey, what are you doing to your pitching staff? It's what does it do to your confidence level? And does your one side of your game leak into the other side? Because, you know, if – Devers is hitting 300 with, you know, 100 RBI pace. Now well, you suck it up and it, it stinks and okay. If he starts hitting 265 and, you know, he's not coming through and the bats, eh, then we got some problems because J.D. Martinez is the DH. He's not, he's not a fielder. So they don't have a place where they could, they could stick him. Now, you and I are jumping the gun completely here. And we both admit that with Devers, but it is something to ponder. I'm just throwing it out there for yeah. people to understand. If they see him sitting out games or being removed in the seventh inning, you know why. Yeah, and um, it, it it might might cost them some at bats at some point. Yeah, yeah, and and quickly on Dalbeck, right? Ten at bats, five strikeouts, no hits. Uh, everybody was excited about him. You know, he had a good spring. He did. Do you bench him? You got to bench him, don't you? This week, if I mean, if you had him in your lineup last week, it's like God, that was bad. I don't want to live through that again this week. Well, I don't in my dynasty league, but that we have 50 man rosters, so I don't have a choice. 
Your but, bench is quite big in that yeah, league. <laughs> it's quite big, yes. Uh, but yeah, I think your general point is is certainly well well taken. That um, you know, the the issue with a guy like Dalbeck is the same thing we've talked about forever. Is that when these guys get locked in, they hit you know three ninety for a week, and it's killer. When they're not locked in, they hit eighty three for a week, and it mm-hmm. kills you. So it, it depends on the pivot. I don't think he was a, a top fifteen first baseman. So I, I don't think anyone should be struggling to get him in their lineup. I think it's fine to sit him for this week. Well, obviously, when you have a team that's going bad, that means the other team's going well. Uh, how about that other team, Baltimore? They go into Boston, they win three games, and as we move to the cleanup spot in our starting nine, let's get you a player profile of, I guess the man will consider the hero of the weekend, uh, Cedric Mullins, Ray. Uh, right now, he's batting 692. Uh, is, is, it, it's early, right? 692? Yeah, that's early. Too early. Okay, okay. Uh, he also leads baseball with nine hits. Anyway, Ray had five hits on Sunday, uh, showing some power, had some doubles. He's leading off for Baltimore. Uh, what do we make of Cedric Mullins? He's one of the, the hot guys in baseball right now. Yeah, it's interesting. We had all this excitement about so many players on waivers this weekend, and maybe that huge game on Sunday got people in on Mullins late, but... The fact is that he might have the most staying power of a lot of the names that we saw going fab this week. And the reason being that, you know, he looks like he's going to hit leadoff against right-handed pitching for the Orioles. They really don't have anyone to take playing time from him. If he hits, he's going to play like he's not blocking anyone. There's no one on the bench that has to play instead of him. And then we got Austin Hayes who tweaked his hamstring yet again. That, That guy just, he can't seem to just get going at the major league level. Right. So that, further would solidify Mullen's opportunity to be an everyday player for this team. So I think you add it all up and you look at him and he's a 10 to 15 home run kind of player. He could steal you 20 bases. And, and, you know, there are just not that many guys that are doing that kind of thing, Kyle. So I think that Mullen's, while he's not sexy, while he doesn't have skills that stand out, why the team isn't great, all these kind of things, there's enough positives with him to look at him and to say, you know what, this guy could be very Andrew Benintendi-like. He very well could, and that's not a bad thing off waivers. He's never been given a a huge leash. I mean, we saw him all the way back in 2018, and it's just kind of fighting for playing time, which is a little confounding because it's it's Baltimore. It's like, you know, if this guy's young, if he's in his 20s, Cedric Mullins should be playing, right? But but he hasn't even played 50 games in a season over the previous three years. Now, last year, of course, we only had 60 games. He would have gotten there. He played in 48. And last year, Ray, I guess you could say there were signs that he's got some potential. I mean, in those 50 games... The average was fine. Um, you know, there was some home run steal potential. Uh, the runs scored weren't huge. I mean, 16 runs scored. But this is a guy that if you played 140 games, Ray, I, I think you could see like a 260 hitter. I think mm-hmm. you could see 15 steals. Maybe you get 10 home runs. This is this is stuff that's not going to shine, but it is stuff that could shine as a fourth or fifth outfielder in your league. It could certainly work. And with the injuries that we're, we were discussing, with the slow performances for some people, you know, maybe it's a, a Mullins is the guy you use for a month and a half and then you move on. You know, it's it kind of peters out and okay. But yeah, there, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely enough potential for him to hit the numbers you, you laid out there. And don't forget, if he is hitting leadoff, consistently that's you know that's extra plate appearances that's the ability to score runs even in a lineup that's not great so yeah he he is someone that you know i added in one league this week i think i spent like 13 out of a thousand bucks like it's like well okay you're gonna give them to me i'll take them 13 bucks yeah if you're gonna give them i'll take them you know so uh yeah if he's still sitting out there people can go to the waiver wire or whatever not a bad option in in the league that you and i are both a part of one of our serious xm uh, expert leagues uh he went for 127 
in fab. I, I put a bid in on Mullins, but I was more in like the 60 to 70 range. Um, I, I didn't really need him as such. So 127 for Mullins. And as we move away from him, that leads us to our five spot in the order today. Uh, some other hot ads. And I, I figured, Ray, you know, we're going to do this most Mondays as we talk about waiver additions and kind of what the market is for some of these players. And I think for our purposes, um, it's maybe easiest since, since Ray and I are in one league together, that would be the Sirius XM league. We'll probably focus on the price tag that these players brought in that league. And, and I mentioned Mullins at 127, but some other notables there, Ray, uh, Nate Lowe uh, went for 218, Michael Taylor, 188, uh, Julian Merriweather of Toronto, 138, uh, Mercedes with the White Sox, he went for $39, Ray Flowers got him for $39, uh, Cesar Valdez for 78. I know Jonathan India was a big pickup in a lot of leagues. He was already rostered by Howard Bender in this league. Uh, Ray, any of those numbers jump out at you? What do you make of some of those guys? Just to tell people, you know, the baseline thousand dollar fab, 12 team, five by five league. So, very traditional setup here. Um, I, you know, Tom Kesnick was tweeting out while we we're doing the podcast. Uh, Merriweather um, was added with a high bid in one league of 576 out of a thousand. <laughs> and, and, and that's 57% of your overall 50, budget for the year. <laughs> right. And the lowest winning bid, and he was added in 43 leagues. Not those are 15 teamers. Okay. 43 leagues. The lowest winning bid was 181. So the 138 here in our league is was pretty muted given the way you know the expenditures went across the, the universe. Um, we don't know if Merriweather's, I mean, it's one of those things like he could be this year's Nick Anderson right? He's big, he's strong, he throws hard, he looks great, okay? And, you know, he's, he's 29 years old or whatever already, you know, injuries here, this and that. I don't know, man. It's like, it's a it's a huge gamble to take. Um, you know, we, we talked about him, Jim Bowden mentioned that Jordan Romano, the reason why they, they're turning already to Merriweather is that game Romano came in, there was a guy on first base, he looked once to first and pitched, the guy stole second. He looked once the second and pitched, the guy stole third. And they're like, whoa, wait a sec here. If you can't hold a guy on, it's just free. You, know, you can't close a game. So if he can shore that up, maybe he gets back involved. I don't know. Um, I thought our bid for him was reasonable. I think, uh, you know, some of the bids in the NFBC are crazy for Merriweather. And then the, the 218 for low, I mean, you got to get your guy, right? But look at the failed bids for him. Again, this is out of $1,000. 32, 32, 22, 22, and five. Like that's the range that Nate Lowe should have been added in the 218 was too much. Yeah. But those, you know, that feature in leagues, Ray, it's great when you're not really in the bidding, but when you win a guy and you see that you overshot the market that much, yeah, it's, it's sometimes a little painful. Um, yeah. 218 and nobody else is bidding 50, 50 on the, on the guy. Uh, Michael Taylor also, I mean, both Lowe and Taylor, they were kind of the stories coming out of the, the weekend between Texas and Kansas city. And to me, Ray, it's like Taylor has such a more, I mean, an incredibly more enticing fantasy game than Nate Lowe. And, and Taylor, I mean, he goes for 188. So, that, you know, people are seeing it the way I am. But if I'm ch having to choose between those two, for me, it's pretty simple. I'll take Michael Taylor. Yeah, Taylor's got huge holes uh, and he could hit 230. But he's certainly got 20 home run power. He certainly has 20 steel speed. It looks like he's going to get an opportunity to play. You know, it could you know, if Bobby Witt gets called up and they stick him in the outfield, then we could have some playing time issues with Taylor. That's, you know, in a month and a half, maybe, right? That's something to think about. If everyone in the infield's doing well, if Isbell's still hitting in the corner, 
maybe Witt takes over playing time for Taylor. But for now, it looks like he's the guy again. He's got that 2020 speed. And as you and I have, have talked about with Nate Lowe, in my opinion, he's just a guy. And, you know, when you're spending 20% of your budget to get just a guy at the corner infield spot, I don't think it's a good way to go. From the five spot to the uh, six spot in our starting nine, in-season managing advice. Uh, today we're talking about two-start pitching weeks. And I, I know this first week of the fantasy season is a little awkward. Some of you have lineups set for like a week and a half. Some of you set them for four days and you get to readjust them here on a Monday uh, Ray, regardless, Mondays are usually a, a prime spot to talk about two start pitching weeks. And there's all sorts, sorts of advice. Um, it's very specific sometimes to the pitcher in the matchup. And, and we'll get specific coming up, but maybe so, just some generalities with two start pitching weeks. And, and the first thing I'd throw out there for the listener is that this is to me, Ray, this is not an overrated part of building a successful fantasy team. I, I I think as much as people talk about it, it's just that important. This this is a huge difference maker in weekly leagues and head-to-head leagues. Um, it's one of those things that's talked about everywhere, and it's actually important enough to talk about everywhere. Yeah, and we've got multiple tools to help the folks with at Fantasy Guru to do that. Vlad Sedler puts out his Fab Value article every Saturday, and he talks about pitchers and two-start pitchers and that kind of thing and goes through the matchups for single-start pitchers too, but goes through the matchups. And then Rob Povia, who we had on the podcast on Saturday, uh, he has the massive weekly preview where he lists all the two-start pitchers. He lists all the matchups they had. He's even gone in and updated since we got the news about, you know, the Nationals not playing on Monday. He's pulled out Max you know, Scherzer, who was supposed to be a two-start guy this week. So we've got multiple resources to help people, you know, set those lineups each week. And if you just think of it this way, if you get an extra five innings a week from a starter, right, that second start, and it's just effective work, right? It's five strikeouts. Um, maybe it's a victory every other week. Over the course of the season, you just added 12 victories to your team. 12. And go look at your standings. And how much of an advantage you get with 12 victories? You probably move up four spots, five spots in the standings. If you're getting four or five strikeouts extra a week, and it's that's 100 a year, how many spots in the standings do you move up for 100 strikeouts? So it doesn't seem like much necessarily. It's not all always about which of these guys am I going to grab and make 24 starts for my team? Sometimes it's about which guy am I going to use this week, maybe next week, maybe the week after that, and then I'll pivot to someone else. It can be a huge advantage. Yeah, and the challenges with this um, is looking at mediocre pitchers and saying, well, this guy's not that good, but he gets two starts. Um, are looking at maybe above average pitchers and one start is a really difficult matchup and the other one is not. And so you've got kind of half and half. I will say in general, Ray, um, Gosh, 75, 80% of the time, if I've got a guy with two starts, I'm throwing him in there. <laughs> it's, maybe that's a little too aggressive because, but, you know, I kind of throw, throw that out as a 12-team league or even a 14-team. And it's like, man, if I got two starts, even if one of those is, you know, up against the Yankees, I'm really apt to stick that guy in the lineup. And that goes for average starters and even below average guys. And, and it can hurt you. I'm not saying it's a perfect strategy. And again, 75, 80%, that means 21 out of every five times. I'm not doing that guy. Uh, but I would almost go that high with how much I favor a two-start pitcher when I'm setting my lineup. And you, you, I think you have to place it in the context of what kind of league are you in? Are you in a roto league? Are you in a league that has an innings minimum or a maximum? Are you in a head-to-head setup? So there, there, there are you know, baseline factors that have to be factored in. 
to make the decision because it's not always just as easy as rolling the guy out there. Sometimes you, you might want to do it. You look at the standings and you're like, your ratios are close. So maybe you back off this guy. Maybe you're trying to catch up in the, the strikeout column. So you push that guy. It's early enough now that you're kind of free to kind of do it any way you want. Is it the matchup? Is it the skill level? Is it where the game is being played? Is it lefty righty? Is the weather? All of these pieces go into the hopper when you make the decision. I think you get more refined with it as we get deeper into the season. And I would say this, even when you have one of your top two or three pitchers, uh, you know, we all SP1, SP2, SP3. I, I very rarely, if ever, bench those guys for a two-start guy. Now, sometimes you have a roster crunch or the matchups are just too good. But, Ray, I, I would also recommend don't bench studs just because they have one start. Yeah. Yeah. And stay away from that. <laughs> yeah. Every, and people do do that. Yeah. And I mean, if you're in a head to head setup and every, you know, you're looking at the other side and the other side's got 12 starts and you're going to have eight. Well, I mean, you know, eh. but generally speaking, I, I would never bench my one or my two. I think my three is always in there as well. Now it depends how you drafted. Some people have four SPs that are in the top 25. It's like, well, you know, other people, their third SP is guy 58 on the list. It all depends on how people put their teams together. But I think in general, that's good advice. Well, let's take it to the seventh spot in the order, Ray. And, and for reference, we are using uh, Rob Povia's uh, weekly preview uh, column, which uh, was posted, I guess, Sunday morning. And it's updated throughout the week as, as news comes in, Rob updates it. So we're, we're going off the list that he has with two start pitchers. And, you know, Jake DeGrom's on there, you know, Herman uh, Marquez, Tyler Glass now. I mean, we're not going to really spend much time on them. I'm more interested, Ray, in the guys that are, are kind of on the fence, if you will. So specifically talking about two-start pitchers this, this week, let me get your take on a couple of these. Uh, Jordan Montgomery of the Yankees, um, home against Baltimore and at Tampa Bay. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay mixes and matches as well as anyone, right? And they'll they'll do the lefty-righty thing, and they'll, they'll get all that. So th they'll get every ounce out of their lineup. That one concerns me a little bit. It's in Tampa Bay. At least it's not in you know New York. Uh, it concerns me a little bit because of their ability to, to do the mixing and matching. The Baltimore one, I mean, Baltimore started They're well. Hot. Right? They're hot. They are. They started well. Um, I, I still look at that matchup as one that Montgomery can have success. And I think that Montgomery this week is more likely than not an active. Yeah. Um, the, the only holdup for me, Ray, is really I don't have much of an expectation of him going beyond five innings in right. either of the games. Right. And and so if, you, if you're doing it for wins, I don't know if it really pays off. But, I, you know, because he, he may total in these two. He may pitch just fine, Ray, but he totals eight and two-thirds innings or something. Yeah, he might throw 143 pitches in both games, right? Yeah. And that's something that, that is something to think about because one of the main advantages you get is obviously the innings and the ability to pick up that victory when you're doing the two start thing, if these guys, especially guys toward the back end of the rotation or guys with injury histories or any of that stuff, if they're throwing 75 pitches and going four and a third innings, like you're saying, Kyle, you're, you're removing one of the main reasons to pitch them. And that is the victory. Anthony Desclafani of the giants at San Diego and home against Colorado. Um, not at Colorado home against Colorado, uh, Desclafani, Ray, what's your take? Of course you pitch him. He's a giant. <laughs> uh, well, it used to be the case, right? Yeah, if they're home, did. hell yeah, you're going to pitch them. And hell, if you're at San Diego, this is like, again, I don't know if that's the case anymore. San Diego has kind of changed and, mm -hmm. and we saw it last year. San Francisco kind of changed. Yeah. We don't know with San Francisco, how the park's going to play long-term. Cause it was only 30 games last year and, uh, it did play way more offensive than it has in the past. They made some changes with the bullpens and everything. So 
we'll, we'll see long term. I, I, you know, the weather here in, in California, it, it's, you know, not predicted to be bad this week, but, you know, it's going to be in the high 50s, low 60s. It's not going to be hot. So that shouldn't aid the ball that much from flying. Um, and then uh, the, the Rockies offense is not very good. I just, you know, I'll say it. I, I don't, I'm not impressed by the offense overall. The, the Padres, obviously, totally different. Um, the issue with Descafani is keeping the ball in the park. Because, you know, when he keeps the ball in the park, he's really good. Um, San Diego is a much fairer offensive environment than it used to be as well. Um, I would start him. I would say yes to starting him. But he's like an eighth or ninth guy out of my nine pitchers. If he's like 10th and you're trying to make that decision on whether to bench guy A for him, I wouldn't do it. Would you chance it with Steven Matz now of Toronto? No. On the road at Texas, home against the Angels. No? No. Um, no. Steve Phillips, I think, has been trying to trade me Stephen Matz in our dynasty league. We're like, um, oh Ray, you look so good. I don't care, Steve. No, Ray, oh, look, Ray he has two care. starts this week. Is, don't that, care. is that the latest trade offer? I know I got another one from him, but it wasn't with Matz. Uh, I just I will admit that I have a blind spot for Matz in the sense that I I just discounted him two years ago and I've never looked back. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm just not interested. I'm just not. Um the Angels are a potentially scary opposition. Uh Texas. You know, that's, that's a team that can be pitched to, um, but no, man, they got the mighty Nate Lowe there, Kyle. So now I, I, I would, I'd probably pass on that. Of course I wouldn't even have him on my roster. Um, One more Daniel Ponce de Leon with the Cardinals um, trip to Miami and then versus Milwaukee. That's your guy. What do you think? That's well, he's a strikeout arm. Yeah. I I think, I think Ponce de Leon is a decent option. He is a guy. I mean, they're not going to push him to a hundred and a hundred pitches, nothing like that, but he is a guy that if he's going, it's not like they're going to yank him after four innings because he's at 80 pitches. I, I think if he's successful, they'll let him go the full five. Um, it, it, the Cardinals need him over the weekend. They got hammered by Cincinnati and Flaherty didn't last long. Um, Wainwright was out in like the third inning. Um, yesterday, Carlos Martinez, I think, was out in the fourth inning. They haven't gotten any like their bullpen's kind of tired, frankly. They're not gassed or anything. It's early in the season, but they need some guys to, to start going five, six innings. So I'd actually make this play. Um, it, it's not, I, you know, I think I can get one win. I think I can get 10 innings. I think I could get 13 strikeouts or so. I'm making the play on Ponce de Leon. I think he's a fair option. I agree with you. I mean, you look at the the Brewers, who are, I think, the scarier of the two offenses overall. And Omar Narvaez is, is, you know, hit to this point. And then the rest of the lineup, eh. I mean, Keston Ira. 50 percent strikeout rate five zero 50 percent strikeout he's, pulling, he's the bobby dalbeck of the national league he really is and i wrote a player profile about him i encourage people to go read it it's probably too late now if you made the move to take him at pick 53 or whatever but that batting average is a legit concern with him uh yelich had a great spring but he he hasn't done tremendously well here at the start and then you start looking around it's like this team is really going to be counting on avisel garcia and travis shaw it's like yeah so yeah i i can sign off i'd rather start him than matt's mm-hmm that is a look at a few of the two start pitchers. Now, if you're looking for insight on uh, some of the other guys out there and, you know, guys like uh, Carlos Rodon or Luke Weaver or, you know, Frankie Montas, whoever it may be, again, hit up uh, Rob Povia's article, the weekly preview, and also uh, Vlad Sedler with the uh, fab values. Uh, a lot of that fab stuff talks about two start pitchers and maybe some guys you could grab on a stream. So uh, some insight there offered uh, each and every week and throughout the week uh, over at fantasyguru.com. Let us now move to our uh, eighth spot in the batting order. This is the home of the random reference. We go to baseballreference.com. We 
hit the random page and we see what we get. And uh, boy, oh boy, Ray, this is random. Okay, mm-hmm. this is pretty darn random. Okay. Um, and again, all we ask is that the player or the game or the team is from 1980 to the present, the, the fantasy era. And this one just skirts in under that uh, barrier, Ray. Now, what's wild here is I don't really know this guy, but he did spend... How many years did he spend in Oakland? He spent like nine years in Oakland from 76 uh, to 82, I guess seven years in Oakland. We're talking about Jeff Newman. Mm. Uh, now, does Jeff raise in the Barry? Does yeah. Jeff Newman ring a bell at all for you, Ray? I Yes, but no. Okay. Um, he, nothing special here <laughs> no. except this. The dude played everywhere. Mm. Um, he was a catcher. He actually pitched in 1977 for one game, one inning. I'm guessing it was a blowout. He played first base. He DH. He played third base. He played second base. He played left field. Seriously, all over the place. I guess we can say Jeff Newman, more than anything, was a catcher in his career. Well, how about this? Um, He made an all-star team. Oh, come on. You're kidding. No, he made an all-star team in 1979. um, He had 22 home runs, 71 RBIs, which ain't bad. He hit 231. With a 666 OPS. That's not good, Kyle. That's really that's really not good. Um, well, hey, catchers suck in 2021. Imagine how bad they were back in 1979. Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, let's see. What did he do in the game? Did he get into the game? Where's Mr. Newman here? I'm rolling through the... No, I don't think he even played that game. Oh, man. <laughs> he made the all-star game and they didn't even let him play. Huh? Didn't even play him. Let me see. Am I missing him? Jeff Newman? Kept... No, he didn't get in the, he didn't get in the man, game. Man, that now. is a punch in the nuts yeah. there. The only time of his career and he lost out in the big show. Shoot. Man, that sucks. That would suck, right? Wouldn't it? To say I made an all-star game and, and made an all-star team, but I didn't get on the field. I mean, in the old days, they played the game to win, right? In the old yeah. days, guys would play nine innings. Like, it's different. They didn't treat it the same way that they do now, you know? And, and um, I'm looking, they had... Uh, Daryl Porter and Brian Downing uh, in there at catcher in that game. Brian Downing is an interesting player, by the way, right? Because he transitioned and got glasses and became an outfielder and really became a pretty... Wait, 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 wait. Transitioned positionally. Yes. Sorry. In classes. <laughs> I guess at this point in time, we need to be clear about that. Thank you, Kyle. Um, he, he transitioned to the outfield. And he... You know, Brian Downing, by the way... Uh, do some research if you you know you never heard the name or whatever. He only made one All Star game as well, uh, but he played twenty years in the big leagues and he had a three seventy on base percentage. Like if the world was different, if he was playing today, people would know a little bit more about Brian Downey. You know, and apologies to Jeff Newman, our random reference, but you know you're not much of a random reference if we end up talking about other guys rather than you. Yeah, but Jeff Newman, you're that guy. And again, I guess the, the his good years were in the 70s, which is not our cutoff date. But he did last until 1984 with the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, and uh, just a Daryl Porter note, by the way, uh, Daryl Porter was 10th in the MVP voting in 1978, and in 1979, the year of this uh, All Star game that we're discussing, had his best year. The catcher hit 291 with 20 home runs, 112 RBIs. He led the league in walks. He had a 421 on base percentage. And was ninth in MVP vote that year. So Mr. Newman really didn't deserve to play in the All-Star game. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Jeff Newman, we salute you. We're the first uh, podcast probably in decades to talk about you. But today was your day in the random reference. Uh, Ray, nine spot stamp of approval. What's getting your stamp of approval here at the end of the podcast? You know this and the listeners know this. Uh, it was my birthday last week. And um, I'm still treading off that, Kyle. That's all I got going right, right now for me. 
Um, but the stamp of approval is for something that uh, I'm not one to do often. I never have sweets in the house. I'm not a chocolate guy. You know, I just, I don't, I used to eat a lot of that when I was a kid and I, I stopped, lost weight and all that kind of stuff. But before the show started today, and remember, um, we're recording this at 8 a.m. Pacific time. So it's early. At 7.30, I went in the fridge. I got a piece of cake. So <laughs> cake for breakfast, Kyle, gets my stamp of approval. Let them eat cake. And Ray goes, I gladly will, even for breakfast. I'm all over cake. Uh, my stamp of approval, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, Ray, she can probably hear me. So I'm going to okay. do, I'm going to be a good husband. She can probably hear me as I'm going to say this. Oh, say it loud then. My lovely wife, Jenny, gets the stamp of approval. Wow. She's, she's rolling her eyes and probably laughing up the stairs right now as, as I say that uh, because of the fact that we had a crazy busy weekend. Not only were we celebrating Ray Flowers' birthday, because that's, that's a huge date <laughs> around us. Yes. We love Ray Flowers' birthday. But um, also Ray's day is uh, the anniversary of our first ever date. Uh, my son was born on April 2nd. It was his second birthday. Um, of course, we had the Easter holiday. Uh, we had tons of things going on this weekend and we survived. We made it. And, and she helped us. She, she is the reason we survived, right? We wow. made it to the finish line of the week and we're all gassed. I, I can barely get through this podcast, uh, but, but the stamp of approval, and, and this could always be the stamp of approval, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it will go to my wife, Jenny. Good, great weekend, kept us in line. Everything went off perfectly. She even dialed up some great weather for the weekend. Oh, it, it was dynamite. That's great. Um, my weekend was not as exciting as yours. Um, <laughs> did you go Easter egg hunting at least, Ray? We, we did. And if people actually want to see a little bit of this, Kyle, I'm going to drop it here on Instagram at Ollie Aussie dog. We gave our dog Ollie, a six month old Australian shepherd an egg. And so people can find that Ollie Aussie dog on Instagram, a 22nd video of him finding his egg. Okay. That's good enough for me. Um, but I still won't be joining Instagram. Sorry about that, Ray. Um, as we head out the pod door on this edition of the podcast, Ray, where can people find you? People can find me, obviously, in the chat room at Fantasy Guru. Uh, we have a 24-hour chat room there, so you can just leave a question and you get an answer. Uh, Wednesdays, Rob Povey is in there from 12 to 1 Eastern. I'm in there from 5 to 6 on Fridays um, for just one hour straight answering questions, or you can just leave it at any point. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Baseball Guys. And then we should let the people know that uh, you and I are going to be doing double duty starting this week. Um, not just this podcast for Fantasy Guru, but at EliteFantasy.com, the DFS angle, you and I are going to be hosting the daily live streams. So yes. we'll, be, we'll be talking, you know, I'm Tuesday, Wednesday, you're Monday, Thursday, Friday, uh, and we'll spend, you know, an hour, hour and a half each day talking about the DFS world at EliteFantasy.com. Yeah, when the, when the schedules are normal, like, you know, nighttime action, like NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, those kind of things. Uh, five o'clock Eastern. That's when we're starting this thing up. It's it's the core four DFS lines live stream. And and as Ray noted, he's going to do a Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll handle Monday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, we're going to be bringing in writers from the uh, Guru family, uh, just kind of breaking everything's down and all the latest news. Who, who's in net? Uh, late lineups, scratches and switches. The lefty righty stuff. Uh, the weather. Uh, it's going to be like ninety minutes most days of us getting you set in the DFS game. So. Most days, uh, five o'clock Eastern, again, some of that changes depending on the schedule, you know, daytime baseball, all that stuff. But it begins on this Monday and it's Monday through Saturday. Uh, the core for DFS live stream. Uh, really looking forward to that. What I'm not looking forward to, Ray, is I guess I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to look presentable 
for the live stream because this is now video that I'm going to be dealing with. Yeah, I'm doing this in my robe right now. Um, but I told Jeff Manns that I'm not shaving for these things. So sorry. So I think people want to see the real lust, don't they? Pro probably. They probably want to see, you know, what we have like hanging on the walls and all that kind of stuff. But uh, don't worry, Kyle, if you decide not to get really fancy, I will be right there with you because I am not getting fancy. Uh, uh, T-shirt and jeans kind of guy. Yeah, okay. I'll wear a hat occasionally. Okay, okay. You know, we're going to have some fun with it, but it uh, should be a good time. And, and you can jump into that live stream whenever you want. And like I said, we're going to not only do the NHL and NBA, but of course, uh, baseball when it's warranted, we'll talk some MMA. Uh, we got the Masters coming up this weekend, so I'm sure we'll have a, a DFS preview of what to expect there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, our first episode gets rolling uh, on this Monday, April 5th, uh, firing up at five o'clock Eastern. Uh, that'll do it for us. That'll do it for this podcast. And hopefully we did it for you on this uh, Monday. Again, subscribers, you've got the midweek and the weekend podcast that you can look forward to. If you're not a subscriber, why not? You need to subscribe today. Head over to Fantasy Guru, get signed up and you get to hear Ray and I three times a week. You get to see all those live streams every day. Uh, you'll get more Ray flowers than you could ever handle if, if you sign up. Uh, which Ray, I don't know if there's a better selling point than saying you get more Ray Flowers than ever before if you yeah, sign up. And I'll even toss this in there. I don't know if it works still, but you can try that promo code Blue Ten. Okay. It might. Sometimes they don't just you know turn them off when they say they're going to do so. <laughs> Blue Ten. Uh, if you really need more Ray Flowers in your life. Okay, we all do. We all do. We'll be back with you midweek. Uh, we are out here. Uh, enjoy the start of your week and good luck with your fantasy baseball 2021 right here on the Baseball Elite Podcast.